Welcome everyone, so glad to have you with us as we are in part three of our series, Down to Earth. And whether you're joining us in the room this morning or you're online, we're so glad that you're part of this conversation. Now, if you've been with us for the past week or two weeks, you know that this conversation is based on one of the most important beliefs that we as Christ followers hold and that we celebrate in this season. And that is this, that God became one of us. Specifically, that God became human in the person of Jesus. So the question that we've been asking for the past two weeks is this, why did God become one of us and live among us as one of us? Like, why would God do that? Now, if you grew up in the church, there's most likely an obvious answer that comes to your mind, and and we'll talk more about that next week. But there are some other important reasons that we never think about of why Jesus came. And we discovered one of those over the last couple weeks, and that was this. Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate what God is like. Now, that is important because if that is true, and we as followers of Christ believe it is, it means the only way that you'll ever get an accurate understanding of what God is like, and that is to look at Jesus. See, if you want to know what God would say, you look at what Jesus said. If you want to know what God would do, you look at what Jesus did. So if you look somewhere else besides Jesus to try to figure out God, what's going to happen is you're going to miss him. See, that's one of the reasons that God chose to become one of us and live with us as one of us. So if you miss us talking about any of that over the past two weeks, or if you know somebody you say, I really wish they'd hear this, just go to our website or our app and you can listen or watch the messages and share them with them. Now today, we're going to dig into the second reason that Jesus came down to earth, and it's found in another passage in the Gospel of John. Now, this story that we're about to read is one of the most dramatic moments that you're going to find in all of, those, in all of the Gospels. In other words, it's like one of those moments that you see in the movie where you find yourself like on the edge of your seat, And you're talking in your mind to the character saying, don't do it, don't do it. Well, that's what this moment was really like. And it's just this amazing story because John was there. And he felt the tension and he felt the suspense all himself. And all of these unlikely events and all these unlikely statements that we're about to read, John says, I witnessed them firsthand. I saw everything, I heard everything that was said, and I recorded them for you as an eyewitness from my experience. Now, this story that we're going to look at, it unfolds just hours before Jesus is arrested and crucified by the Roman and the Jewish leaders. And here's how John says it happens. We're going to start reading in John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now, all that means is Jesus knew that it was time for him to give his life. It's the ultimate reason he came down to earth. He he knew his mission was almost complete, that a Roman cross awaited him as he took on the sin and the suffering of all of humanity. See, Jesus knew he was about to embark on this excruciating journey, which makes this next statement so remarkable. Notice this. 
having loved his own, referring to the disciples here, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Or another way of saying it is, he showed his followers how much he loved them. Now, this is so important because as you discover, if you keep reading, Jesus knew not only what was about to happen to him, but he knew what was about to happen to his disciples. He he knew most of them would abandon him and desert him and run for their lives when he's arrested. He, He knew that Peter would follow at a distance so he could watch what's happening, but end up denying Jesus three times before all of it was over. See, Jesus knew how the disciples' world was, that their, their faith would be rocked. He knew how much they would question everything they had come to believe about him. See, Jesus knew all of that. So knowing all of that was coming, Jesus wanted to make one final definitive statement to John and James and Peter and Andrew and Matthew and all the rest of the 12 disciples about how he really felt about them. He wanted to demonstrate love to them in a way that they would never, ever forget. That's what he's thinking about in this moment. He wasn't thinking about himself and the suffering that he's about to endure. He's thinking about them. So here's how John says the drama begins to unfold. Look at verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And John is basically saying, we as the disciples, we didn't know this at the time. But looking back, we realized as we sat there eating this meal with Jesus that we had a traitor in our midst. Like the guy who would be responsible for setting in motion the chain of events that would turn our lives upside down, put us all in danger, and cause Jesus to endure so much pain, suffering, and humiliation, and eventually death on a cross. That guy, he was sitting right there with us, acting like he was a friend, knowing the entire time exactly what he was going to do. But John goes on to show that Jesus knew a few things as well. Look, look, look at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Don't miss that. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now, I don't know how we can adequately explain everything that John is telling us and the significance of this. But Jesus had some extraordinary knowledge that evening as he is eating this meal. See, if you keep reading, what you discover is he knew Judas was about to betray him. But more important, he knew who he was, whose he was, and what he had. He understood that. In fact, don't miss this. In this moment, Jesus was aware that God had given him all power. I mean, think about that. All of God's power was his, and Jesus knew that he had the Father's like full support and all the resources of the Father. In other words, he knew he was sent from God, and God was behind him, fully behind him, about making this mission and making sure it was complete. Now, remember, John told us That Jesus' primary goal in this moment, at this meal, 
was to show the disciples how much he loved them. So if you're Jesus and your goal is to show these guys how much you love them and you have all this power and you know it, what do you do? Like if your goal is to show them, I I love them, but I'm powerful, what do you do to show that kind of love? See, I think most of us, we'd probably be tempted to start by taking care of the traitor, right? I mean, get rid of him and the other disciples, they don't have to have their lives turned upside down. They won't have to run for fear of being filled, for, of being killed, I'm sorry. They won't have to have their faith shaken to the core. See, you could make the case that that would be a way to show the disciples by get of the, getting rid of the traitor, traitor that you love them. That, that's one option. Another option would you be to use this power to impress them in some way that was so memorable that they would never forget, that they would tell their children and they would tell their grandchildren. In other words, you could lavish them with some kind of gifts or lavish them with some kind of experience that they all wanted to experience. I mean, that's how most of us try to show people how much we love them. But that's not what Jesus chose to do. Honestly, what he does is completely counterintuitive to what we expect people to do or people who have power to do. But in its own way, it turns out to be the most awe-inspiring and unforgettable moment in that evening. In fact, look at verse 4. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Let me just ask you a question. When you realize you have a little power, what do you do? What do you do? See, most of us, if we're really honest, we we start grabbing for things. We we grab for better position. I'm going to use my little power to get ahead of this other group of people. Or we grab for bigger possessions. I'm going to use my power to improve my standard of living and, and look out for myself. Or we grab for more popularity. Or we grab for more pleasure. But Jesus, knowing he had not just a little bit of power, but all of God's power, what did he do? He grabbed a towel. And then God in flesh dwelling among us decided to show the disciples the full extent of his love by doing this. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus, how are you going to let these guys know how much you love them? Well, I'm going to serve them. How are you going to show them your love in a way that they'll never forget? I'm going to do for them what none of them are willing to do. I'm going to do what they all believe is beneath them. I'm going to kneel down and I am going to wash their feet. I'm going to get my hands dirty on their behalf. But surely you're not going to serve Judas like that. I mean, you don't know. I mean, don't you know what he's about to do to you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fully aware of that. 
In fact, Jesus even talks about it a little bit later in the meal. But even Judas wasn't disqualified from experiencing Jesus' expression of incredible, unconditional love. See, you want to know why God would become one of us and live among us? One of the reasons is, is Jesus came to show us what love is. Not the kind of love that we ordinary people show to each other. Not not the kind of love that's conditional. Not the kind of love that expects something in, in return. Not the easy kind of love where I like you and you like me and you're good to me and I'm good to you so I love you. No, Jesus came to show us what love really looks like. Love that leverages power for the benefit of another person. Love that is so humble, nothing is beneath it. Love that is no respecter of person to the extent that it is shown to friends and enemies alike. See, that's the kind of love God not only shows, it's the kind of love that he is. And when he wanted to demonstrate the full extent of his love, he did in this moment by putting a towel over his arm and serving those that followed him. Those that were going to be his friends and those that were going to be his betrayers. Even those that were going to abandon him and deny him. Now, I just want to say something about picking up the towel and showing what love is. In this season, what that towel is, we have to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. Because with the physical distancing that has been going on, showing love is a little bit harder in the physical presence of someone else and doing for others than it's ever been. And it's why in this season, we as followers of Jesus, we cannot shrink back from loving like Jesus, but we have to step in and we have to pray every day. And it's part of my prayer every week that I'm saying, God, help me understand as a leader to figure out how to lead us as a church to love the people in our church, to love the people in our community, to love the people in my life as you have loved me. Because let's be real honest about this. Even when there's not a pandemic, we're not really good at loving the way that Jesus loved, are we? I mean, we tend to love people who love us back, and we tend to love people who love us first, and we tend to love people who are kind of lovable. See, we don't love very well the people that we feel like are beneath us or who are doing nothing to benefit us. We don't love very well the people who oppose us or people who we feel like are betraying us. See, we say we love, but if you really look at our lives, not just in this season of chaos and craziness, but even in other seasons prior to that, the way that we love, it doesn't even resemble the kind of love that Jesus has. See, Jesus came to show us what love really is. And in this story, and it's why I go back to this story so often in my personal life, it's why I've tried to bring it back in front of you a couple times a year, is because we learn so many powerful lessons about what love is. In fact, one of the lessons we learn is this, is that love is giving yourself on behalf of another. Now, do you know what we call giving yourself on behalf of another? We call this serving. Jesus even said, 
He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And my question to you is this, how often do you do that? How, how often do you remind yourself that that is what we are called to do, is that we are called to love as Jesus did, and that's giving yourself on the behalf of another. Like, do you regularly give yourself of yourself with your time, with your money, with your talents, with your gifts, on behalf of other people? Like, how often do you do this with your family? Or do you just expect them to serve you and do what you want? Or how about your friends? With the people at school or the people at work, how often do you demand your way rather than giving yourself on the behalf of another? Now, now before you answer this, my question is this. What would your family and what would your friends say? Would they describe you as someone who gives of themselves often and consistently for others, or would they describe you as a person who expects others to give themselves for you? See, I, I think in this season, because picking up the towel and figuring out how to serve other people is a little bit harder because of physical distancing, I think we really got to be honest with ourselves. And, and see, I, I think the reality is we all think that, that we're loving because we all have our story. We all have our one or two stories of how we served another person occasionally and randomly. But we're not talking about loving people normally here, like we normally occasionally and randomly do. We're talking about the kind of love that Jesus showed to us. And see, if you don't consistently give of yourself for the benefit of others, then the truth is we're not really good at loving yet because here's the reality. Love is giving yourself on behalf of another. See, love, it always gives. But, but that's not all. There's something else that we learn from this. We learn that love, it is no respecter of persons. I mean, let's just be honest. There are people in our lives that are just hard to love. And then there are people in our lives that we have no desire to love. I mean, there are people we have no interest in, we're no interest in giving ourselves on their behalf because in our mind, they don't deserve it. It's why some of you walked away from being involved in a church because you said, those people, they should be better than that. They call themselves Christians. They should live a better life. And you walk away from the church and you justify why you're not involved in a church anymore because in your mind, you got this perfect, legitimate argument that they don't deserve it. They should be better than that. They should know better than that. And you know what? That's a perfect, legitimate argument until Jesus comes along and knowingly washes the feet of a man who he knew that night would betray him. See, it is one thing for Jesus to teach the message of love your enemies, but when he practices it, then it becomes so much harder. For us to dismiss see jesus came to show us what love looks like and you know what jesus said love looks like jesus loved his enemies and his his followers we should too because love it is no respecter of persons so here's my question to you to get real practical with this who do you have a hard time loving 
You know that person at work that you just can't stand, the one who went behind your back and is constantly causing you trouble? Jesus says, here's what you do. You serve them anyway because that's what Jesus' kind of love does. Or how about the spouse? Or how about the parent who betrayed you and they changed your life forever? Jesus says, I get that. Judas betrayed me. Go ahead and serve them when you have the chance. Not even necessarily for their benefit, but for your benefit. See, it won't necessarily change their behavior or even your relationship with them. I mean, think about it. Judas still betrayed Jesus even after he washed his feet, but it'll change you. It'll free you from resentment and bitterness and grudges that shrink your soul and harden your heart. See, you serve them for you. Jesus said, love your enemies because love is no respecter of persons. One more thing that Jesus shows us, and that is this, that love leverages power for those who are powerless. See, the most powerful person, this this just always amazes me every time I read this story. The most powerful person, not just in the upper room, but in the entire universe, chose to put a towel over his arm and use his power to serve those who had no power. Think about that. Now, here's the thing. You may not be the most powerful person in the universe, and you may not even think of yourself as the most powerful person, but all of us, we have some power or we have some influence in certain arenas. And there are times when you have the most power or the most influence in a situation or circumstance. And what would happen if you stopped asking, how can I use my power to get me where I want? Excuse me. And started asking, how can I use my power to get them what they want or what they need. And see, I I know this. We're all skeptical of people having too much power. But Jesus had all the power and he didn't abuse it. He used it to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. So I want you to imagine. Imagine how different your family, your workplace, your classroom would be if you combined love and power, love and influence together because love leverages power for those who are powerless. Now, after Jesus finished showing his followers what love looks like, he began to explain some things to them. And in the course of the conversation, he says something that honestly we Christ followers, we have not done a very good job of doing. But if we just focus on following this one thing, and it's something that most of us heard before, it literally, as Jesus said, would change the world. Listen to this from John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. And when, I'm sure when the disciples first hear that, they go, yep. Yeah, Yep, that's it, to which the disciples thinking, you know, hey, um, that's not really new. We got that command. We got that way back in the time of Moses. But see, Jesus wasn't referring to the way that they've always understood the command. This wasn't new in information. 
It's now new in understanding and new in interpretation. In fact, he goes on, he says, the interpretation and the understanding is the new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, as a follower of Jesus, love one another. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the bar is now raised. In other words, you you stop loving the way normal people love. Anybody can love people who love them. Anybody can love people who are good to them. That's not unusual and that's not special. But Jesus says, as followers of mine, I'm expecting you to love people the way that I loved you, to serve and give yourself on behalf of people, whether you believe they deserve it or feel like they should have that kind of love given them or not. He says, I want you to love your friends, but I also want you to love your enemies. He says, I want you to take your power and I want you to take your influence instead of using it to benefit you I want you to use it to benefit others See, you love one another with the kind of love that I have demonstrated to you it's the one reason that Jesus came down to earth to show you what love is and and then notice the next statement in verse 35 he says by this if we love that way by this everyone Followers of Jesus, people who are not followers of Jesus. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Literally, he's saying, you want to get the attention of the whole world? You you want people to know that you follow me? You want people to have a relationship with me? You, You show it by your bold, unconditional love. But by how you love the imperfect people in your family, by how you love the imperfect people in your church, by how you love the imperfect people in in your workplace or in your school or in your community. See, that's how you point people to Jesus. Your love certifies that you are a follower of Jesus. Listen, Jesus is basically saying, if you want to point people to me, This is the kind of love. It's the only way to do it. So here's our challenge to you today. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you make a commitment to saying, I I realize, man, the standard for loving, it's so much higher than I've done. And and in this season with all the craziness and the chaos and the the physical distancing, I've even kind of pulled back even more because I just didn't know how. Would you make a commitment to lean in to the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I want to love like you, and it's harder than ever, so I need your help more than ever to know how to do that with all the physical distancing kind of things that are going on. I just want to challenge you, follow the example that our leader set. Let's love people the way that God loved us so they get an accurate picture of who God really is. Yes. And I just want to say, if, if you're not a follower or believer in Jesus, we absolutely pray that we'll love you so well that you'll realize how much God loves you and that he doesn't want anything from you, but he wants something for you. So why would God become one of us and live among us as one of us? Here's how or why. To show us what love really is. And so my challenge is, Let's go figure out in this season how to pick up a towel. And you've got to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit to help you do that. But let's go love this week 
like our leader does. And then we have one more challenge for loving. In this season, with all the craziness and chaos and and lies being upturned, we are having people come to us with more emotional and financial needs than ever. And so we've been trying to figure out how do we show love to our community. And one of the ways that we can do that is we're going to do an end-of-the-year offering. That'll be the last Sunday of December, December the 27th. And we're going to take up a special offering on that Sunday. And every dollar that comes in, it is going to go to help the needy in our community. And not only that, every organization that we support in all of our communities where we have churches, they are all running behind on resources and supplies. And so we're going to also benefit them. You could say this is kind of a combination of a Be Rich offering and an end-of-the-year offering, but we need to radically show people how much God has loved us by showing them how much we love them. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. There are some serious needs in our communities and with the organizations that we support, that help people in our communities as well. And so we want to challenge you to be thinking and praying, how would God have you to sacrifice and give at the end of this year in order for us to bless the communities and the people that need it so desperately? So let's go out this week and let's love like our leader. And at the end of the year, let's be radically generous like our leader, Jesus Christ, was. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your incredible love for us. And I just ask right now, That, God, we won't use the excuse that we don't know how to use the towel anymore (laughs) because we have to do the physical distancing, so it's, it's so much harder in some ways. But, God, there are so many opportunities that I've watched you place in front of me and other people over these last few months, and I'm just asking right now that you'll help every one of us to make the commitment. And I know if we make the commitment to love as you've loved, God, you'll show us how to do that. I mean, most of us are still in school, and many of us, we're still working in our workplace and with those people that we work with. And, God, there's just so many different opportunities. So I just ask right now that you'll begin to help us as we lean in and commit to loving others as you've loved us to show us ways to pick up a towel and serve someone else. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, again, thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next week for part four of our um, Down to Earth series. Have a great week.